0: welcome back to another episode of into the night minutes each week movies by minute hosts examine the 1985 john landis directed comedy into the night one minute of screen time per episode so you're here today with me, David Forsyth, and my co-host Todd Lucas from the as yet unreleased movie by minute podcast, Edge of Tomorrow minute, and uh, we're here to discuss minute seventy eight of Into the Night, which opens on Diana licking her lips and pointing to her in air quotes coat, and ends with Monsieur Remiville saying something in uh, what sounds like French. I think the actual true opening of the of the minute is on the same shot of Larry Kasdan. That we closed the previous minute on, I guess he's really where we open. Uh, I think we teased a little Larry Kazdan information in '77. So, do you do you have something good about Lawrence? Oh,
1: we got all sorts of things about Lawrence. Um, I mean, most of us in this community are going to know him most immediately for uh, his work in uh, *Empire Strikes Back* and *Return of the Jedi*. He's also uh, not as famously uh, worked on the more recent stuff with J.J. Abrams and also on *Solo*, a Star Wars story. But his most early written script. That um, he's famous for was for The Bodyguard, which he actually wrote in the 1970s. Uh, And Hmm. the tale has it that uh, that bodyguard was shopped around and rejected 67 times before it finally sold to Warner Brothers. And it was originally supposed to be a vehicle for Diana Ross and Steve McQueen okay I mean you know eventually in 1992 it did come out uh you know because it had been in development hell for all that time but it came out with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner which you know while good is not quite the same thing
0: (laughs) yeah I have to say that um I have a strange soft spot in my heart for that movie because a friend of mine was working at the movie theater at the time that that came out and so we got um to see a lot of free movies because our friend would let us in but um it was back in the days before the the giant multiplex so his uh, theater only had two screens and it was generally showing the same movie about a half an hour apart. Uh, so we really saw the same movie over and over again. And, um, I grew to appreciate that film because yeah. I had seen it several times. Um,
1: yeah, it's not bad. I enjoyed it. Uh, I saw it in the theater originally too. Um, and that was, that was kind of weird. I thought, you know, the, you know, the guy and a white guy and he had a samurai sword so sharp it would cut a, uh. A silk scarf when you just dropped it on there. I'm like, what Rick. the heck is this about? Well, it, it turns out that uh, it was called The Bodyguard because Kurosawa um, is a, no, no, not Kurosawa, Kasdan, his uh, greatest hero, according to him, is Akira Kurosawa, the Japanese filmmaker. Yeah. And he had, his inspiration for The Bodyguard was a film called Yojimbo, which is literally Japanese for bodyguard. It's so, a, uh, yeah. It is a great he,
0: film as well. I love that one.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as Kasdan says, his ac- actual quote for him is that, from him is that, uh know, Jimbo may be the most entertaining movie ever made. Just frame by frame, the most entertaining, end quote. So, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that he has uh, some some more eclectic uh, uh, backgrounds and uh, and, uh, you know. Uh, what's the word I'm even looking for? I've lost English all of a sudden. But his inspirations, I guess.
0: <laughs> I've seen a lot of Kurosawa films and and I like most of them particularly the ones with Toshiro Mifune as well. I mean, that's, um, I would say that most of those are, are, that, that was sort of their, their, uh, muse type pairing between, you know, f- between the two of them, I think. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, if somebody is going to take that as a, as an inspiration for a film, it'll probably get me to watch it. Although I didn't know that back then in whatever year the bodyguard came out, but, uh, and, and it wouldn't have meant anything to me back then, even if I did know it. So, sort of a, a post bodyguard appreciation for uh, for Kurosawa and Mifune in my life. Well, that, so. definitely, definitely. I yeah. mean,
1: a lot of that was shot in black and white, and I was not around when it was being filmed, let alone cognizant of anything. So,
0: well, and how long would it have been before we actually had access to it? Right? It probably mid to late nineties. So, yeah. I mean, unless you lived in a big city with a. Foreign film, theater, or revival house, or art house cinema, okay. or something like that. Which neither that might have been got. you, but it was definitely not me. Well, so. I was I was closer to one for sure, but definitely was not you. So, <laughs> all right. So, I'm so, sorry. Did you have more on Mr. Kazdan?
1: Yeah, you know, we got as much or as little as you'd like. <laughs> uh, you know, another big thing that everybody would know him for would be um, he wrote the screenplay for Raiders of the Lost Ark. But what a lot of people uh, don't realize is that he was actually. Uh, Commissioned to do it by George Lucas on the advice of Steven Spielberg. And then before the screenplay was actually written, the the three of them had recorded uh, themselves having basically a story breakdown session. And, you know, this recording, you know, it's pretty easily available all over the internet now. But uh, it's it's uh, fairly legendary. It's one of the few things that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that George Lucas actually did know what he was doing, even though fans <laughs> kind of uh, hold the prequels and whatnot against him. He actually does know how to tell a story. He is, you know, very creative and very insightful. And it also demonstrates, uh, you know, Spielberg's genius. And, and uh, you know, even though Kasdan denies it, it shows that he's really, really, really good at this. So... <laughs> that's a fun thing to go look up. If you have time,
0: I would say that's true. I, I would be interested in hearing that. I never have heard that. So that that would be kind of fun. And I, you know, I suppose I know him, you know, mostly from his, his first three or four movies, right. That was a good run. Um, of what was it? It was, uh, um, body heat, big chill, Silverado and I forget what the fourth one was, but like, as a director, that's that's a pretty good run for your yeah. for your first times, but,
1: but and of course I've not seen any of those. Ah, so
0: they're all very good,
1: so you yeah. should um, you should check I'm them out. I'm guessing that now, but yeah,
0: yeah, but um, you know he definitely has had probably a wider impact as a writer for sure, and it's not really something that I think about when I think Larry Kazdan. So yeah, no, that's interesting. It's um that's just not where he the space he resides in in, in my mind, but it's that's very true. So
1: all right. Well, you know, he has lots and lots of credits, you know, things that are smaller. He actually has a couple of you know, more recent, not terribly recent, but more recent ones that are kind of have little soft spots for me in my heart. Uh, one is a movie called Mumford, which he wrote and directed. Strangely, uh, the, the movie part of the cast included a, a, an actor named Jason Lee, who's a, a favorite of mine. Um, and then uh, not too long after that, he was also wrote and directed um, a Stephen King novel uh, adaptation called Dreamcatcher. Which mm. also included Jason Lee and all was probably my favorite um Stephen King novel at that time.
0: <laughs> now this is the this is the My Name is Earl Jason Lee, not the dearly departed Jason Lee, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's the my name is Earl. <laughs> <Okay. All right. laughs> mall rats and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Just just checking. That makes sense because or no, that was Brandon Lee, I'm thinking of, not Jason Lee.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, well. Brandon
1: uh, no, there you go. Brandon Lee, yes, he he uh died on the set of
0: uh the first crow movie. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. So, so there, there is no dearly departed Jason Lee, as far as I know. So no, yeah, okay. I'm sure that someone named Jason Lee has died at some point. Let's. Uh, you can stop writing in, internet. We know okay. people die all the time, right?
1: All right. A few seconds of silence for every Jason <laughs> Lee that's ever died. Okay then. Thank all you. All right then. Good. Good.
0: All right. All so. right.
1: So we're pretty much done with uh, Kazdan, unless you've got some more fun stuff.
0: No, no, you're the you're the resident Kazdan expert here. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, so. Uh, when we get back into the minute, we got uh, Diana. She pointing at the coat and and literally licking her lips with anticipation at getting the stones back. Um, six yeah, it's a bit emeralds. of a tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and uh, Bud notices that, and uh, you, you can tell Bud is kind of into the drug culture because you know her licking her lips as kind of an unconscious tell for something. He would take that as her needing what's in the coat in you know in a drug sense. Whereas she's really just licking her lips because I'm sure she's scared to death
0: right now. <laughs> yeah, it could very well be. And, you know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, Bud kicks it up a notch and is being kind of a jerk and like, get her out of here.
1: There it is over there. Will you get her out of here? You know,
0: calling the cops names and whatnot. And um, he's barking orders at the cops. And, and so it's kind of weird to see Detective uh, Detective Rusty Lane sort of jumps at the coach. It's like, hold on a minute. Like, he's very anxious to get it back to her. Um, and he fishes the coat out from under the broken glass and in, in the table and he uh, pats it down to make sure that there's no evidence in there.
1: The thing that bothered me the most about that when he did that is I think the actor actually gave something away, gave away the fact that, you know, he is an actor in a movie instead of an actual detective, because when he picks that up, he goes straight for where the secret pocket is. <laughs> That's where his, his searching hand goes first. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you wouldn't know that was there. Why are you reaching for it?
0: Yeah. Well, and he doesn't find them, so that's really a hell of a hidden pocket, you know? Yeah, that's that's
1: special. That's more than an RFID uh, protection compartment in your coat, no.
0: Right. It's uh, sight-proof and feel-proof and maybe even smell-proof, although I don't know what six perfect emeralds smell like, but... They smell like freedom, dude. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, can we just talk for a minute about how weird it is for a civilian to just wander into... A crime scene um, that has like six or seven cop cars parked out front. Um yeah, and just be escorted in. I mean, it's a very '70s cop show kind of thing to do. To be like, oh, I'm gonna just go up there and talk to the cops um, and and get her way in.
1: Yeah, these days, if you did that, they would instantly suspect you of something. Right. But here, he she walks up to the boy sheriff guy here. I don't know I kept calling him the boy to, uh, deputy every time I wrote him down. <laughs> And because, uh, I mean, look at that. He's so young. He's so pretty. He's and she walks charm. right up to him and she's just like, OK, I'll touch you and I'll I'll lead you into the crime scene. No he, problem, man. He's
0: very touchy. I agree with that. Um And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's got something to do with our police shows now. Right. Like our police shows now are, are very like forensics focused or, you know, five years ago they were right. Uh, maybe they still are. I don't know. But like. The magic of forensics will solve every crime and lead to a shootout at the end or something dramatic. I don't really know. Um, So it would be weird to, even though you've patted it down, to pick up a piece of evidence and give it away. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So it's just strange, but maybe it's a cultural thing.
1: It would have been in a locker for a couple of years and then probably just destroyed at some point and no one would have realized there were emeralds in there.
0: Right. Maybe that would be a good. A good, like, webisode of a show, right, where the, the evidence destruction tech finds six perfect emeralds in a pile of ash in, in his incinerator. Right.
1: right. And then, you know, the next day he tenders his resignation and then he disappears from the face of the earth. Yeah. hey,
0: I mean, that script practically writes itself. Yep. It's so. about four minutes long. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's a webisode. So it's, mm-hmm. Hey, you guys have seen my new web series, right? The uh, Evidence Destruction Technician.
1: Man, you'd have to have a new character every week, right? <laughs> Cuz either either you'd find something valuable or you'd find something that just that killed you when you put it in the fire.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this could totally be like a um like a Twilight Zone or a Tales from the Crypt kind of thing where it's like or maybe a a game show
1: where we plant yeah. the evidence on these guys and they 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 do whatever they're going to do to destroy it and see a what happens. Sh-
0: I like game show of it better because then it's not an actual technician. It's just like who wants to destroy the evidence?
1: <laughs> I yeah. like
0: your title. That's that's too much fun. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, and you could call a friend and be like, "I don't know if I should throw this bag of white powder into the into the incinerator or not." Yeah, cuz it's either uh, 10,000 bucks worth of cocaine or it's going to create a deadly poison and you're dead. Yeah. Either way, throwing it into the fire sounds like a bad idea, but what do I know? Pretty much. Nothing about white powder. Yeah. I mean, if it was like cornstarch, I could tell you that that's actually flammable and don't throw it in the fire because it'll probably burn you, but otherwise I don't really know.
1: All right. Then. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> you know, he pats it down and he gives it back to the boy deputy and he touches her again and leads her back out.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, Casden kind of gives him a look and and signals the sheriff to usher her out with a, with a cool Ted Hill. Doesn't he have to say anything. You know, they got mm-hmm. law enforcement bro um language, so. Uh, but after after they leave, uh we find out about we Bud's being probation on probation for, for cocaine. cocaine. I'm going to ask you one more time. You know what they were looking for. And that's sort of why he's being questioned instead of them really doing police work to figure out what went on there. They're, they they think, oh, he's got to be involved. And if he'll just tell us what who's after him, uh, we can ignore it and, and go back home, right? Because it's his problem at that point. So
1: who knows what they're thinking? I yeah. mean... I, we still don't know if they know that Christine is dead. I mean, we've had a murder. We've yeah. had multiple gunshots fired in that home. I mean, the evidence is right there. Just just off <laughs> camera to the left. Just tilt
0: your head slightly to the left, okay? Yeah, Just go past the infinity pool, go over the railing onto the beach, and you'll see the bobbing beauty queen body floating. There. That's a <sighs> terrible alliteration. I don't like that at all. That was um, bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't mean it. Uh and it did sound a little cold and callous to our dearly departed christy um, so
1: yeah i i think maybe these cops are being a little cold and callous cuz if they do know they they've they're got really to know, not acting right? like it. you know oh man now it's homicides just everyday just another dead
0: body who cares i mean they've got to know the the neighbors who most likely called the cops are the ones who saw christy being chased and probably assaulted at the at the edge of the surf
1: right and otherwise why would the cops be here Bud would have been tied up in phone cord, in amidst yeah. the wreckage of his living room when when Diana showed up and the door would be locked. They wouldn't be able to get in. I mean, Nothing. unless
0: unless the Savak took Christy
1: with them, I guess. But we saw her.
0: Oh, being, that's right. Yeah, we, we the, the surf sort of... pushes
1: her back up onto the sand there. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. So we know she's gone.
0: Yeah, hmm. yeah. I know it's it's very strange to not hear them sort of investigate you know maybe they're investigating maybe they think buds responsible for her murder and that's why they you know maybe not directly that he murdered her but like that he caused it with whatever he's into so
1: i think maybe that's an editing glitch perhaps or they they shot the the bit with her dead body washing up but uh then weren't sure if they wanted to to you know really push home that that yes she's died in that or or what well, i don't know because I... I mean when when the Savat kill uh, oh, God. What was it? Hamid? No, that wasn't Hamid. Hasi, the first uh, the, the the gentleman who had hired her to do the, the smuggling who yeah. dies at the airport. Yeah. They take the body and they put it in their trunk. They don't leave the body behind. So leaving uh, Christie on the beach is sloppy for them.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, and, and um, you know, ha- if they had been committing all these robberies and uh, or not robberies, but like they've been committing a string of crimes across the city. And, uh, you know, it's known that they are not, you know, that they're foreign nationals. And I think someone actually at one point says, it might have been Diana at one point says, like, they probably don't have passports, so they probably don't want any trouble. They really have been leaving a string of chaos across the city. And you'd think there would be, you know, detectives who knew who these, you know, this group of of four or five Persian uh, gentlemen in in suits uh, who just shoot anything (laughs) Um, that you think they'd be on their tail already. So that, you know, that, but.
1: Certainly, amongst this group, I mean, they've got police and sheriff's department, including two detectives. So somebody should have known something.
0: Yeah, exactly. But
1: uh, uh, this is a comedy, so they're playing (laughs) a little loose and fast, and and you know, it is also '85, so we don't have a a big tradition of you know the really rigorous police
0: procedural yet. (laughs) True, at least not in yeah, right. I mean, they probably existed, but not. uh, This is not one of them. So if we followed the Christie murder tangent too far we'd trail off into a whole other movie so
1: and we just did so let's uh, back it up uh, <laughs> so uh you know we find out about bud's uh possession uh probation and then let's see uh we're out in front of the house again with the deputy and diana uh obviously is trying to make up her plan there uh she decides to ask the the deputy to walk her to her car
0: well right before that he does probably the only piece of good police work uh in this entire set of minutes uh he says i'm gonna need some information from you before you can go i'm afraid i'm gonna have to get some information from me before i can let you go right so he's gonna be like i need to write down your name and address you know so i can look you up if in case there's trouble later but uh but yeah she does turn it into it's kind of an odd request to be walked back across the road but i guess it is kind of a busy road i don't well, know you don't see it when they're
1: walking because they obviously have it blocked off where they're actors but the, the, the deputy does raise his hand as if he's warning someone to, to not hit them. <laughs> right. And then when you get the reverse angle just after that, you see Melville, um, you, know, you see through the window behind him, you see traffic go past. So they're, they're trying to simulate traffic this time, whereas the, the beginning parts of this movie have been uh, very traffic light, except for the you know that uh, morning rush hour scene from the beginning
0: well and he's such a boy scout looking type sheriff that i think getting the request to walk a pretty lady back across the street is not outside of his his wheelhouse i think that's that's really um a uh, a request that makes sense to him so oh, yeah. and he does jump at it of course
1: you know one more chance to to reach out and touch her yeah <laughs> This guy uh, is so touchy-feely.
0: I mean, she's got the great red leather coat and the big blue down coat with the secret pocket. So she's, you know, in addition to being the attractive lady that she is, she's got all these great coats he wants to touch. So
1: Well, yeah, you know, I, I've i always found myself petting coats when I'm out and about. So I, I totally understand that.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and you, you alluded to, uh, the reverse shot of Melville, uh, in the limo. Uh, he sees Diana coming back with, uh, with a sheriff. I think it's a County sheriff. Yeah. Um, from his badges. And he says something, <laughs> um, he says something that may or may not be French. Uh, and it appears like he's saying it to his South African henchman, um,
1: Oh, I took that the other way. I took it for something he was saying, trying to say in English to, to Ed. And that's why I was hoping it was in English and I just couldn't decipher it.
0: Oh no. I, I sort of, my best crack at it is that he says, "Elle est très fort," Elle est très forte. which when I tried to translate that, um, it sounded like go very hard in French. So I don't know if he meant to tell his guys to get away, but they certainly don't attempt. Well, we'll find out in the next minute whether or not they attempt to get away hard or not. But, um. <laughs> It's not a Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So I don't want to, don't want to, uh, don't want to bite in on, on their uh, trademark there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much where it ends is on some confusing language that sort of, it it looks like he's panicky, right? Just a bit. Yeah. He's still got his gun in his hand. So he's, you know, like, uh, and there's a, a cop walking towards him. So, uh, you know, he's behind tinted windows at that point. So he's, he's got you know, the, the amount of time it takes them to get to the car to, to figure out something. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's got law enforcement coming towards him and he probably does not want that attention. So.
1: All right. That's where we're going to
0: leave this one off till next yeah. minute. Well, before we fully wrap up, uh, and do our outros here, I just want to take a minute to talk to you guys uh, a little bit about our show edge of tomorrow. Um, we or edge of tomorrow minute, uh, which isn't out yet. Um, we're fully in pre-production and, um, Probably release it a little bit closer to uh, to what will surely be the media fervor around Edge of Tomorrow two. I know people are probably saying there's a movie called Edge of Tomorrow and they're making a second one, but yeah, uh, you may know it as what was it called? Live, Die, Repeat uh, in a lot of places because of some really bad marketing and they they couldn't even like two years after the movie came out, could even figure out what the title was. I don't know. It's a, it's a Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt in, in a movie. In a dystopian war future, uh, with a bit of time looping action in it, and and we like it, and uh, we're going to talk to you guys about it. One minute of screen time per episode. Yeah. So if you want to look for us for for up any updates about when that might come out, um, you can find us on Facebook at the at uh, follow the account Edge of Tomorrow Minute, or if you go to Twitter, there's at Edge Minute, which is I'm not sure I like that name. Uh, <laughs> Edge Minute. It sounds anyway but um yeah there'll be some follow that because even if it changes the name you'll still be following and, and um, you'll get some news about us when we do get our eventual release there so in the meantime you can find the into the night minute podcast on itunes spotify google play and the main site nightminute.com you can connect with us and all of the other Into the Night Minute podcasters at the at the King Lives listeners limo on Facebook or on Twitter at the Night Minutes. So yeah, join us here next time on Into the Night Minute. Bye.
1: Do we thank you or what? I say I fall in the or what category.